tapas, siestas, flamenco, great artists, and a constitutional monarchy. Yeah, you guessed it. Today, on this episode of Evan Worldwide, we are heading to Spain. Whether you want to party in Ibiza, take in world-class soccer matches, marvel at Spanish architecture such as La Sagrada Familia, or dine on some of Europe's most amazing cuisines, Spain has it all. When it comes to cultural diversity, Spain is a nation of many different regions and traditions. In this episode, we are meeting Marco from Madrid, Spain. I first met Marco in a virtual forum of international students that lasted for six hours. The group discussed topics such as world peace, conflicts, fashion, music, and food. I can honestly say that it was one of the most memorable group conversations I have ever had. From the moment I started chatting with Marco, I knew he was a kindred spirit sharing his passion for food, cooking, and his love for world culture. On a recent trip to Washington DC where I was touring some colleges, I was fortunate enough to meet Marco and his wonderful family. We shared a few meals and toured some of DC's most famous museums. In the upcoming interview, you will hear how Marco explains Spain's accepting culture towards diversity and equality, and even shares how Spain has held protests in support of Black Lives Matter and other important topics towards human rights. We wrap up talking about Spain's culinary delights, the importance of saffron, tapas bars, and of course, the national dish of paella. Protests are a really good way. Uh, social media, I think that social media, again, it's repetitive, like the way that they use it to advocate. It's it's good. And I absolutely think that you should keep doing it. But I don't think that it, it's as strong as actually as actual action, you know, simply saying, look at this, this is bad, is doing something, but it does more if you're actually going out and advocating for it yourself in person, because I think that that has more power to it. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Evan Worldwide. On this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey around the world. You will hear young people's perspectives on culture, conflict, and cuisine. So let's go. Uh, my name is Marco. I am 16 years old, and I am Spanish and also part American. Would you say that there's a lot of conflict in your country? I think that there's several ways I could approach that question. I think first off, thinking of violence, Spain is very low violence. So that's a, a big a big thing we have here. Crime in like violent crime is very minimal. There is barely any. It's a very safe country. People feel very safe here. So the actual conflict uh, in between civilians as individuals is very minimal. And then we have conflict we can think on a larger scale. I'd say that politically we have uh, we have far, far leaning sides because of our political uh, history. And so I'd say that politically there is some conflict, but I'd say that it's very similar to the way that it works in the United States. So it's around, around the same amount. I, I'd say that we probably have a little bit of conflict, I suppose, with countries that wish to leave Spain, such as Catalonia or País Vasco. They, they wish to leave. And I think that even within those uh, comunidades, we have people that want to say, people that don't, and so. Would you say that Catalonia or País Vasco, like trying to leave Spain, is that like a bigger conflict than sexism or other things that you were talking about? I think that uh, if we talk about like things like sexism and racism, I think that in the actual Spanish conversation, it's much less than it is with, um, 
with Catalonia, because Catalonia is something that we talk about more, but with sexism and racism, I think that, I don't think that it's not present in Spain. I think that it is, but I think that it, a lot of it is due to ignorance because we're a very uh, mono race country where pretty much everybody is essentially the same race. And so they don't understand the customs and the way that they have to act around other races. And through that ignorance, they can be racist. And so I think that that's, that's why we talk about it less, but I still think that it's present. I just think that Catalonia is definitely talked about more. My next question is what social issues are most prevalent in Spain? Like I'm talking racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, maybe. I think that there's, uh, Spain is very pro-gay. So that's a big thing. We are, uh, we have a lot of people who come who are, who are LGBTQ plus and they're very accepted. We have really big pride parades. A lot, just, it's known as a, is a very good place for people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. But I would say that there is definitely racism due to ignorance, as I mentioned earlier. So we have a lot of people that come from Africa because we're so close. And then we also have people that come from Asia. And I think that there's just some tendencies uh, that uh, like children might not understand. And even adults, they'll say things that are rude and incorrect and that they should not say, but they don't realize that because they're just not around people from other races often. And so it's due to ignorance. It's not quite the same as this hatred, but I do think that there's definitely something that we, we need to work on in that aspect. And in sexism, I'd say that there's still sexism in Spain. I think that it's getting better, like in most countries, but I still think that there's those traditional values that are sometimes upheld when they shouldn't be. And that's most of the social issues, yeah. So when you mean like traditional values, you're mean, you mean like, you know, the man is the head of the house and like, yeah, and like it's like the idea that like the women cook and stuff like that. Like it's like you don't have to follow those traditional values, but you kind of continue to because naturally Spain is a very old country and they're kind of there's a tendency to grab on and latch on to those old customs when they, you know, could move on. Does your family like kind of hold some traditional values or like not really? Not within my close family, but I think if we look at an expanded family, like among my grandparents, like I think that they also had some issues because they did like they had the kind of situation where they were married at 16. Like they, they weren't married at 16, but they were matched up to be married at 16, like very young age, you know, kind of following that typical thing from like the 19, like 1950s, 1960s in Spain, where we actually, it, it always feels like it's like the 1920s because we have to consider that when Franco was uh, ruling, he kind of maintained that 1920s all the way up until he died. And so it always feels like it kind of maintained those values longer than most places did. And okay. so I still see those traditions going on. And Franco, that was the dictator during World War II? Franco became dictator through La Guerra Civil. So basically it occurred where the people that were against Franco wanted to uh, not let, allow this to happen, but then the people who agreed with the new fascist dictatorship wanted to follow it. And then he became dictator and he stayed dictator until he died in 1974. Wow. So that's relatively recent, I'd say. Yeah, my, my parents were alive for when he stopped being a uh, dictator. And so it was a big thing. I remember that my dad was telling me about how they all got sent out of school because of it. Like there was like this massive overturn of government. And we switched from being a fascist government to gradually turning into a socialist government with a capitalist economy. And that was like this interesting shift that's been occurring in Spain for quite a few years. But yeah, it was very recent. So you brought up the word shift. And my next question was going to be, do you think there's a shift in perspective in young people or do you think young people still believe that these social issues are valid? 
Well, I think that you'll find with any group of young people, it depends on how they're raised. Some of them will want to stick to those old values more than others. I think I definitely see a lot of Spanish uh, kids who really want to push that social change forward. And they really want to kind of get people to understand where they're politically incorrect, why they're politically incorrect. And they're, they're really pushing for those things. But then there's those ones that follow very traditionalist values. They believe much of what their parents tell them. And I think that, you know, you're going to have a split in any generation in any country, naturally. Definitely. Do you keep up with politics and government in Spain? I try. I don't quite as much as many of uh, my Spanish colleagues, but I, I do try and keep up with the politics that's going on. We recently had an election in Madrid, which was really big. We have all these all these new political parties in Spain. And it's very interesting because we used to essentially have, we had PSOE and Pepe. And so one was more right, one was more left, but then we got even more right and more left. So we started getting people like Vox, which it was very odd because we, we never really gone to like the extent of right to uh, kind of the far right Republican party in the United States, but that's essentially what Vox represented. And then we also had uh, things like Podemos, which was so, so far to the left that it was nearly communist. <laughs> it, they, they still exist now. And so it's just interesting to see how we get these, like these are pretty recent parties that just came out and I kind of keep up with them, but I don't know as much as many other people do. When you were talking about elections, they were in regards to the prime minister or? No, our prime minister remains to be Pedro Sanchez, but it's the okay. uh, the mayor essentially of Spain. Like oh, the, the mayor. The one that's maintained, the, because we our mayor like is comes from a certain party. Oh, and wait, so the, the alcalde, alcalde though is only the mayor of like a city. Yeah, but Madrid is its is its own like since it's a ciudad autónoma, its own. It's like having a mayor of your whole. It's like because we have the states. They're essentially like states in Spain where we separate. We oh, have, like, like the whole Madrid, state. Okay, Castilla like de Leon. You know, you have all those different places. Gotcha. And it counts as its own. Gotcha. Now, now that makes sense. How do you get information in Spain? Like, it is it through the news, social media, your parents, uh, friends. Uh, my parents and the news. I usually get my dad to explain what's going on because I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about like news, is there like a bit of censorship in Spain? Like does the government like censor any type of news or any information? Because we are slightly socialist, it's much more allowed than it is in like the United States. Like I definitely noticed that like with COVID numbers, I remember there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not they were entirely truthful because in the same way that a communist country such as china can fully censor things spain can partially censor things due to being socialist and so we we do have some censorship in that i can usually trust the news pretty decently because they don't have to do it often but there's always that small like hint of doubt where you're not quite sure it's not noticeable, obviously, and you don't know what they're stopping, but they do have the power to do that with our form of government. So that's that's a big thing. That's very interesting. I actually didn't know that. Do you have any friends from different countries? Like, are you aware? Like, have you met people from different countries before? Yes, I have, because I go to an international school and I get a lot of chances to meet people from different countries. And I try and do uh, as many conferences and trips as I can, because I enjoy the experience of learning about new cultures. And I find that within my own international school, but I feel that that culture is slightly diluted. And I feel that going out of my way to go to new countries and actually meet people who are more in touch with their country rather than just being in the, those international schools, which kind of dilute the, the character, I suppose. I feel like I know more about the country and I, I think it's more of an experience for me. Yeah, and for so, sure. Like the people that you meet from international from your international school, or like, are they able to speak the language that they're from or they have the basics of their culture in, in a way? 
It all depends on the individual. I mean, of course, we have some people who very strongly represent their culture. And, and in like at that point, I feel like I'm learning more. But often, I find that it's these people who have basically, it's, it's odd because I see more and more with the internet that people are becoming more and more similar. Like they're becoming very, uh, it's like Americanized almost. It's like, I meet all yeah. these people from different countries, but they're so similar to everybody in the US. And it's because of like the internet and where they learn and who they hang around with because in international mm -hmm. schools, you have that big uh, amount of people from the US. Right. So it's really interesting to see that because I'll, I'll meet some people who are like really strongly uh, are a part of their culture and are really in touch with their culture. And then I'll meet others which are from a certain culture, but they just seem like every, every person that I might meet in the US. And it's just an interesting thing that I see kind of happen. Okay, so you're like kind of amazing because you technically just answered my next question that I was about to ask you. <laughs> so I was gonna ask you, do you see more differences or similarities between people you've met from other countries? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like basically you just, but would you say that there's similarities in regards to like culture or ideology? Or I, I see similarities in culture, like geographically. Like I find that if things are near each other, they tend to have, like historically, you'll just find things tend to be more similar. Uh, obviously people in Europe, I tend to find more, uh, people in Southern Europe particularly tend to have a culture more similar to my own rather than people in northern europe who have like slightly different customs and I, I can see that so basically the further it's it's interesting because in europe when i when something's further from me i feel more separated from it excluding situations like the uk or the us which are far from me but they're not particularly different in in a lot of ways you know but middle eastern countries uh of course there's big differences between middle eastern countries like massive cultural differences massive ways in which they act in which they speak but there's always like those little hints of similarities due to geographical mm -hmm. locations being near each other. But in truth, we can never really say that any country, any two countries are the same in any way because we, we don't realize all the little subtleties that we miss yeah. and the massive differences that there actually are. Absolutely. And like every country has their own spin. It's their own twist. It's what makes them special. You live in Madrid, correct? Just to clarify, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you see young people advocating for peace and less conflict in Spain? Like, are they protesting out on the streets for any causes in regards to like Black Lives Matter, stop Asian hate, maybe women's rights or something? We have had big protests, I think. I mean, I was actually personally part of a Black Lives Matter protest. I've, I've been in one. So we do have those as well. But I find that often uh, Spain protests a lot, like for pretty much anything you'll find protests, manifestaciones happening outside on the street. I live in the city. I see it a lot. I don't think that it's as powerful as in the United States, because in the United States, when they do protest, it's about something like really big usually. And it, it actually causes like real political overturn. I feel that in Spain, because we protest such a large quantity, we kind of lose that punch and that power behind protest. And I feel that it's done a little bit too much. But I do think that there are many protests that are very worthwhile. And I definitely think that they should occur. I just find that sometimes it's a little overdone. Okay, I get that. You mentioned that you were in a Black Lives Matter protest, which I think is really freaking awesome. What was that like? Uh, for example, like in COVID with masks and like in just a big surrounding of people like marching down the streets, how did it feel? It felt really good. We did it in front of the, uh, the American embassy because it was purposefully directed at the United States, right? And so we did it in front of the, and then we started moving through the city. And so... The, a lot of people would say that like, oh, why are we doing it in Spain when that's not as big of an issue? But I think it's still an issue. I think that showing support from different countries was uh, 
a big deal. And I think that it was necessary. And so I remember thinking that when I was going, that it wasn't just the idea that, oh, well, it's in Spain, it's not in the US, why are you doing it? It's the idea that you're showing support, even if you're across the Atlantic. And yeah. that was really important to me. And so it was a, a real experience. I really enjoyed it. I, I felt like we really got to kind of do something that day. And I was proud that I was part of it. And it was also interesting because in Spain, the, Afri the actual African-American community is rather small. So the people there were actually primarily from Africa. So I thought that that was really it's just it was a really great thing to see that it's that it's a fight for every minority. And mm -hmm. it's important that we that we bring attention to those issues. And so I just felt really good to be part of it. Have you ever talked with any of the Africans or like, well, since it's not really African-Americans, it's like people from Africa, the black people would be maybe from Africa, maybe even different parts of Europe or like France or Belgium. Have, have you ever talked to them? Have they ever like expressed um, like discrimination that they've received in Spain? Um, well, I do, I do see that not just with uh, people from Africa, but I also see it with like uh, people from Asia that come. Yeah. I think that there's definitely these sort of like ignorant, politically incorrect things that Spaniards do towards Asians and towards people who are uh, African that's just, you cannot do, like you shouldn't be doing. But because we, we aren't correcting it, we get stuck with this constant loop of not getting better. And I've, I've spoken to, like, there's a lot of people who come from Africa and they come in ships. And so essentially they're illegal immigrants and they attempt to, to sell things on the street. And they always have these really fascinating stories, but they're always fearing from the police because obviously them selling things on the street like that is illegal and they themselves are illegal immigrants so they can't be so they're all i see them running a lot they always have like things that are always ready to pull up and run because mm -hmm. they, they always have to be prepared for that and i mean naturally those those immigrant laws i'm not going to say that they're they're without reason but it's still sad to hear how hard they have to try just to just Support to kind of get away from their lives yeah and it's 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 kind of tough because you you realize that not not everything's black and white and it, it's really hard to define what what is good and what is bad yeah man i totally agree all right the last question in regards to peace and conflict how can young people spread awareness to advocate for peace in spain i'd say in spain um like i said protests are a really good way uh social media i think that social media again it's repetitive like the way that they use it to advocate it's it's good and i absolutely think that you should keep doing it but i don't think that it it's as strong as actually as actual action you know simply saying, look at this, this is bad, is doing something, but it does more if you're actually going out and advocating for it yourself in person, because I think that that has more power to it. And so I definitely think that that's the way that people should advocate in person, outside. And, and something that you should do in your everyday life is like, you don't have to be incessant about it, but correct people when you feel that they're being politically incorrect. Teach them, but don't be condescending in the way that you do it. Explain to them why they should avoid saying things or doing things that are politically incorrect and explain to them why and hope that they'll be better next time. Yeah, that's, I totally agree. And like, just if we could teach people, teach them about things, they can decide whether to use it or not, then I think that would be making progress. Now here's like the food questions, food and culture questions. You're probably gonna be talking for an hour from this question because I know Spain, you guys, love this question what are the most popular dishes in your country all right so let's start with the stereotypical one paella is very big <laughs> we got a lot of paella okay then we also have a lot of tortilla tortillas de patata particularly 
Mm-hmm. That's really big. And so I think what we're going to realize with a lot of these is a lot of it is tapa culture. So it's essentially the fact that we have bars in Spain that everybody goes to. So bars are not the same thing in the U.S. than they are in Spain. Bars in Spain are a place to have tapas, to have like something before you go eat. It's like a fun thing. It's not a place to go drink. Because there was a funny story of when my grandma first went over to Spain, first went over to the U.S., I mean. And so essentially all her friends were like, what do you miss most from Spain? And she went, the bars. And so everyone assumed she was some alcoholic. She just got in there. But no, she met the food. But <laughs> basically, there's a lot of tapa food. You got a lot of fish, particularly. You have things like berberechos, uh, sardinas. Sardinas. Are really oh, big. my gosh. I love sardinas, especially the ones in like uh, salsa de tomate. In, or- in aceite, they're the best. Uh, I, I love sardinas and aceite. Uh you got a lot of dishes because, I mean, not just tortilla de patata, then you have all these traditional dishes from the south, arroz. Man, do we have a lot of different kinds of rice because paella is a very specific kind of rice. Everyone thinks that everything is paella. Not everything is paella. Uh, arroz con, con pescado, con, con gambas, con setas, they're all different. So you have all of these different options of rice and not all of them are paella. People assume that they're paella, but paella is very specific to a certain thing. Uh, something that's interesting uh, is arroz con conejo. That's something that my dad makes all the Ooh. time. It's murciano. I've that's- never tried it before, but I really want to. And my dad actually told me a story of like him. So he's Mexican and he grew up eating rabbit. It's something that I wanted to try. Yeah, we eat a lot of rabbit. So um, some people think that's weird. I've never thought it was weird. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, you know, I, so the, yeah, that's a big dish. That's something that we have a lot, arroz. And then so, sopa, like one quintessential part of Spanish cooking is azafrán. Oh, saffron? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Saffron is massive. We put it in our rice. We put it in our soups. We put it in so many like typical Spanish dishes. And saffron is actually really expensive. So know that. But like, that's an important part. So if you, sometimes you're cooking for something for Spain and it doesn't quite fit, it's because you're missing the saffron. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stop there because I could keep going. But yeah, 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 yeah. There's no, there's no like one national dish because there's too many, right? Or is paella like the national dish? Paella is like considered by like most people that come here is like the like big Spanish dish, you know. But I always yeah. consider it to be more Spanish like fish, things with yeah. fi- like because Southern Spain is so big on fish, and that's mm-hmm. where I hang out the most in Spain. So, what is your favorite dish? What just name like some of your favorites? Okay. Let me think through. Okay. My grandmother always has this sopa that she makes that essentially is like, it's like a typical soup, but she adds that saffron and she has like this own special stuff to it. I don't know all the ingredients. And if I did, I wouldn't disclose it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but basically it, my, my grandmother uh, is the one that taught my dad to cook. And then my dad became a professional chef. It's just a soup. That's absolutely fantastic. I love it. I'll never forget it. And I I'm always wanting more of it. Then also, I would say that um, arroz con conejo is one of my favorite dishes. It's really like, it's just so good because the meat's really good and the rice is spectacular. And if it's done well, it's really great. I basically like any Spanish dish that my dad prepares, but those are a few of my favorites. Is conejo, is it like pretty gamey? Is it tender? Like when the meat? I don't think it's too gamey. It's very, I I don't know how I would just, it's like tight. It's when you bite into it, it's going to be... It's tender, but it's also like very compressed. Okay. So it's like a so lot. So like it doesn't in- really melt in your mouth? It does sort of. It's just the idea that it's like you bite into it and it like pulls off like this like 
large piece of muscle i don't know this has got to feel weird for like vegans it's like you don't want to hear this <laughs> vegans and vegetarians i'm sorry if you have to hear this but <laughs> hey it is a spanish culture do you have a special dish or family recipe that brings you great memories or like a really good story okay so we got a lot of rice since we're my family is de murcia so we're murcianos so yeah. we got a lot of stuff with fish and a lot of stuff with rice. So we have a lot of that rice a lot of the time. And so I have a lot of great memories because we do the typical Spanish thing of going to my grandmother's house pretty much every Sunday to all eat there, like as a family. Because like extended family is very connected in Spain. So Southern European, literally. So, so yeah, I, I, I have a lot of rice with saffron uh, and depends on the day. Sometimes it'll be fully vegetarian, like just cauliflower as a replacement for the meat. Sometimes we'll have chicken, fish. Fish is great. We got a combination of like fish and uh, lobster and gambas and all that. You know, there's, I have so many memories of different dishes because my family's so big on food. That's every, every Southern European has to be big on food. If not, Italians are the exact same way. Do you have any family recipes or variations of like popular dishes? Like, does your family put like any kind of like twist on a paella? It's hard for me to define these questions because my father plays around with food so much <laughs> that like he's always like coming up with like whatever we have in the house, he'll figure something out. And so he he puts like interesting twists on certain things. Like uh, my my older sister is entirely vegetarian, so a lot of uh, a lot of our dishes. We'll switch up to be more vegetarian so it's like he'll we'll, my dad started making like couscous and stuff like that which isn't spanish but he'll like find new ways to adapt the the kitchen and so we have all these interesting ways of varying typical things like we've had tortilla de patata let me tell you tortilla de patata with onion oh wait isn't that just tortilla de española it's not it's not known i mean some people notice tortilla española but like a lot of people just think tortilla de patata right but there's, there's a place right next to my house called Danis. It's got spectacular uh, tortilla patata with onion. And like, basically they undercook it slightly. And so it's not like hard or anything. So I actually have been to Spain. Obviously I have to go back because I only went to Barcelona. I have to go to Madrid, Malaga, Bilbao. Um, what is one dish from Spain that if I traveled there, I can't miss? I know my dad has two places where he says he would take an alien if they came to Spain. Uh, so the first one, is a place called uh, Dinin, which is like in Northern Spain and near Segovia. And so essentially what they do at Dinin is they do cordero, which is like baby lamb. And they do it in this way that's just like so good. Then they also have like bread and like this like very simple lettuce, which is like, it's very medieval, but there's just something so enjoyable about it. And so that's a dish that I would definitely recommend. There's also a place that serves fish right next to my home. So this is in Madrid. And so they serve rodaballo there, which I don't remember what it's called in English. It's that flatfish. Oh, halibut? Is it halibut? Let's say it's halibut. It's <laughs> okay. so good there. That's just, those are two dishes that my dad says he would take an alien to eat. And I'll stick by his... Uh, What's the name rodaballo. of the fish that you just said? Rodaballo. Oh, turbot. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've been pronouncing that right in English. <laughs> but that's okay. Which, which city is better, Barcelona or Madrid? Madrid, obviously. <laughs> so like if I was going to Spain and I told you I only went to Barcelona, where would you recommend me to go in Spain? Well, first off, Madrid, right? But then also going down to uh, Almeria is really worthwhile. The beaches there are really nice. 
it's just a really fun place to be, but it's really, really hard if you don't speak any Spanish or if you don't speak Spanish like really fluently as well, because they all have really strong accents because they talk like, and then they talk like that and it's very hard to understand. They, they don't pronounce any S's. It's, it's an interesting accent. It's hard to understand, but it's a really- And you understand it? Yes, I'm, I can. I'm guessing, I'm guessing yes, but like, yeah. Yeah, that's in the south of Spain. That is at the very bottom sort of southeast, like slightly Almeria? southeast. Almeria. Almeria, okay. Andalusia, that's the Andalusia accent that I was doing. It's like, ah, okay. Yeah, same thing. And then the very last question is, if you could tell anybody one thing about Spain, what would you tell them? Um, uh, Come visit, you know, try it out. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. South, Southern Europe is fantastic. And Spain is a very relaxed and fun place to go. So yeah, try it out. Come, come visit, because I think that they should form their own opinion of it, you know? I don't want to to taint their vision by overselling it or something. They'll they'll enjoy it. I know they will. Considering everything that you told me about Spanish food, I don't think you can oversell. <laughs> like, I, come on. It's, everything about it is so great. This was freaking excellent. Thank you so much for being a part of this interview. Muchas gracias por hacer esta entrevista conmigo. Lo aprecio muchísimo. I'm sorry, I can't do a Spanish accent that well, so I'm just going to speak normally how I talk. But anyway, that was really great, and I really appreciate learning more about Spanish culture, Spanish food, and peace, conflict in Spain. And this was really good research. So awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my Global Youth's Perspective podcast. My goal is to share insight into the lives and cultures of my friends around the world, and hopefully we can listen to each other, bridge our differences, and make this world a better place.